Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy and Los Angeles, California, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Kat Napsok. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. And I'm Jennifer Landa. And we are here today to discuss acting and the curse of acting, the joys of acting, the passion <laughs> of acting, our favorite actors, our own acting experiences. And yes, does that seem a little different, a little bit like other center? Well, that's because... It is, Joseph, Jennifer, we are in an interesting time, shall we say. A weird time indeed to strike SAG-AFTRA. 
WGA. The strikes, we should say, are still going on against the producers, the studios, and we are here to stand with them and do things, Joseph, a little differently for the time being. That is right. We talked about this. We talked about the strike in general last week on our news show. And then we did a uh, Power of the Light side where we, we took some uh, great feedback, some great thoughts, experiences from listeners about what Star Wars has meant to them. And we're saying we're going to figure out what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And after having a little bit of time to look at it and think about it, uh, we have decided to make the uh, bold and frightening choice <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, to make Force Center other center for the time being. We'll get into a little bit of what that means and why we're doing it. Uh, but in terms of what Other Center is, what we'll be talking about and uh, why you should keep listening. Uh, hopefully you like spending time with us. Um, but I think what we're going to end up doing is uh, what we're doing in this episode today. We're going to be talking a little bit about acting, a little bit about our experience uh, with it and actors we admire, everything Ken was saying. Uh, in the future, we'll be able to talk about music, writing, frozen pizzas, all of the other things we love <laughs> that are not created by a struck company. I, I hope there isn't a, a tombstone pizza strike, but if there is, I will support <laughs> it. Uh, we might be doing some ranked episodes. We might uh, be turning to you, the listeners, in doing a, a cues of the um, other uh, and ask you for questions <laughs> that aren't about Star Wars. So it is really, uh, it's really scary, but it feels right to move forward with other center until one of two things happens. Uh, the strikes end, or there's more uh, firm and official guidance specifically for podcasts uh, that comes from SAG-AFTRA. So that's the plan. Now we can get into, I think, a little bit of why we're doing this. Uh, Ken, Jennifer, any thoughts on the plan? Well, I want to uh, bring you in here, Jennifer, because uh, y- you have... Uh, um well, you're a SAG member, as we just, <laughs> and that's one of the big reasons we're doing it here. Uh, I'll have more thoughts on others that are uh, the good, the bad, and the we understand, and just some of the the, the information that's out there uh, that is in the same category. But but Jen, uh, I, I would say uh, this a lot of this uh, has to do with not not just you. Like there's pressure on Jen. Uh, Jen's a SAG member. Um, um, but also with the, you know, we just want to be extra careful, but also, as Joseph said, uh, you know, hopefully some, some courage, explore some new avenues here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're going to continue recording and that we'll be talking about different things. And I think it's really important that we're, we're holding the line and we're taking the stance. Um, and we are going to go forth and, oh boy, I was going to say boldly. Wait a minute. Where am I going? Uh, <laughs> not that other galaxy. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it and I'm, I'm thankful that you guys are being so supportive, um, because this is what it takes. And the sooner that we take these hardline stances, the sooner that hopefully the strike will be over, um, and that the, uh, the, uh, executives understand that we mean, we mean business. We're not talking about what we normally talk about. We're going to be talking about pizzas. <laughs> take that producers. Take that. Zaslav. <laughs> I'm going to talk about pizzas. Uh, Ken, how are you feeling about the plan? I, I, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. This is uh, how a lot of, uh, you know, uh, bills are paid around here. And, mm-hmm. and we know that um, uh, you all have found us and stuck around here because of our discussions around Star Wars. Uh, we hope that our own personalities, our own lives uh, and our interests, our dislikes, just us in general is maybe one of the reasons you, you enjoy coming around these parts and maybe we'll find out. So we know that some folks might 
uh, click off, might come back, and 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 that's actually okay, and we we respect that. So I'm excited, but it's not like the three of us haven't talked about other things in other parts of our lives. <laughs> um, writers, uh, poets, uh, authors, comics, actors, we we, we are we are that. Um, and, and I'm excited to explore that for now. And, and, and for me personally, and I guess to address what I kind of said up top, um, over the last week or so, a lot of friends, a lot of listeners have either tagged us or sent us or asked on Discord. Great conversations going on on our Discord right now of, uh, hey, you know, but doing a review is considered an analysis and it's not necessarily a promotion of the company and other people are doing it. And this podcast is doing that. This YouTube channel is doing that. And and we want to, and I'll let Joseph and Jennifer say it for themselves, but we want to say that, like Obi-Wan would say, you, you must do what you feel is right, of course. And I don't mean that cynically. And I don't mean that like uh, whatever, like it's a quiet judgment. There's a lot of good people who are trying to find the right way forward in a, in a, it, it, to be supportive, but also, hey, this is how they pay their bills, or this is what they want to do, even beyond the bills or making money. It's 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 their passion, and they're finding ways. In that, I have um, had conversations where some folks kind of got the attitude of, well, you probably won't get caught, so just keep doing it. And that's not <laughs> what Force Center has ever really been about. That's not what the three of us want to be about. And it's not to say that anyone else doing a review of the upcoming series and everything is doing that. I'm just saying I've run into that last couple uh, days, quite frankly, where I'm like, ah, you know what? That's you. That's not me. That's not where I'm at in my life. I think I can find a way with Joseph and Jennifer to talk about other things. Um, Joseph's uh, helping us with a great rousing uh, speech uh, 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 before <laughs> we're going to do this uh, to find it, uh, to find the way forward. So anyways, uh, so I always say that to don't worry about tagging us and uh, YouTubers research on what they think this all means or all that kind of stuff. This is where we're at right now. And I just want to say, I went to the picket lines last week because I was actually feeling kind of depressed, to be honest. You know, I'm, I'm here at home and I, and I don't really get to see like my acting friends as much as I, as I used to. And so I went and I went to the Disney lot because they have sidewalk, which is actually important when you're wheeling your three-year-old in a stroller. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I got was really the energy, the the support. You know, there were all sorts of people, actors, writers. Uh, there were some equity people. There were crew people. There was Danny Trejo who was passing out water. I mean, it mm. was it was amazing. And the thing that it really, it gave me hope that there are so many of us standing together. And in my heart, it would feel weird if I'm at the picket line and we are saying, yes, we're not going to promote your company. We are asking for these things, fair contract. And then for me to come on here, let's talk about the latest Star Wars. It just would feel really uh, mm -hmm. not right in my soul. And so I'm I'm so thankful again that you guys are, are taking this stance and we're all standing together because that's what it's going to take. That's what it's going to take. Mm. That is that's so great. And your your uh, TikTok about the the strike was great, in, including your your choice of music uh, <laughs> with the Beastie Boys, which now we'll have more time to talk about Beastie Boys on on other center. And, right, right. Uh, I can find right. out uh, both of your relationship with the Beastie Boys. Oh, uh, I have. Yeah, I saw them in concert. <laughs> you? Oh, I'm so jealous. Oh uh, yeah. I can't wait good. for Beastie Boys episode. <laughs> yes. Um Yeah. So I I think for me we talked we talked about this on both of our episodes last week, but coming here with making a little bit more of a decision it's important for me to clarify i think there's this thing about identity i think all of us in the general media talking sphere uh podcasters youtubers influencers uh there i think it's telling that there isn't a collective noun 
a lot of us do a kind of similar thing, but we also have lots of other things going on in our lives. And I think this um, this event, this strike has, has sort of forced us to look at our nouns, hmm. look at what, what do we truly do and why? Hmm. And we have um, friends of the show who are who support the strike and are going forward. And I support them because I do agree with the distinction that is being made of are you a reviewer? Do you, uh, you know, watch the new stuff, even review old stuff, old action figures and truly review it and say, here's what worked for me. Here's what didn't. And that is what you do. And you also don't have one foot in SAG. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and for, for me, for people who are like, uh, I'm, I'm a reviewer. I review it. I don't ever get influence, influencer money directly from the struck company. Fair enough. You are looking at what your identity is, what your content is, and you are making a decision based on those things. Mm. So I have respect for that. I want to have respect for myself. <laughs> mm. And if I look at who the three of us are and what we do, Jennifer is straight up in SAG. Uh, Ken is SAG eligible. I have active contracts with SAG as a producer for my short films, and I would very much like to be a SAG member in the future. I would very much like to be a WGA member in the future uh we've always been honest of we we love star wars and we're fans and we're kind of reviewers and every once in a while we get some money so we're kind of influencers but there's this other part of the three of us that uh, is in the entertainment business whether we have a foot in the door or a toe <laughs> whatever <laughs> level of body part that is a, a a part of of what we do so for me i want to be honest about that and say I don't want to wiggle around the rules and go, well, I feel like what we do is, is review when we might glow and we might uh, say, we recommend you watch the new episode of Ahsoka 37 times and look for these deep themes. Uh, but we still say things we don't like or structural issues, blah, 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 blah. So we are reviewers, but that's only a part of what we do. Mm -hmm. We're also fans in, in what we do is, we we promote it. Even when we say we don't like this part of it, we often encourage people to go back and watch it again and again and again. So for me, it just feels disingenuous to say that what we're doing isn't promoting Star Wars, that we're only reviewers at this moment where it's convenient for us, when the truth is we are actors, writers involved yeah. in the heart of uh, of the strike. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, uh, especially that spot of uh, when it would become convenient to us to just simply say we've only been reviewers this entire time. And, and, um, that 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 that's kind of where I come down on it <laughs> in the end for me. And again, I want to be clear: like without saying uh, names, we, we we have a lot of folks who are going to find the right way forward for themselves, and that's the mm -hmm. key, right way for, forward for themselves that we're fully supportive of. Had some conversations about that this weekend with folks. Um, but yeah, this is kind of the, you know, when digital media popped up to 10 years, 15 years ago, but 10 years ago started to become real viable as a, as a career path for a lot of folks. Like uh, that's, that suddenly meant a lot of different um, skill sets were tossed into a bucket, but those are mm -hmm. the skills that we have or that we are, like you said, the identity of it. So it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you and I, you, you have both uh, touched on this, um, but I think the, um, the other issue for me is sort of the uh, the spirit versus the letter. 
and we talked about that a little, this a little bit last week, but I think it's become even even more clear. Mm-hmm. If we are saying Jennifer is SAG, Ken and I are wanting to proceed basically as though we are SAG and, and do what's being asked of of SAG members, um, then the spirit of what is being asked is as a part of our action against these truck companies, please don't promote new work and please don't promote uh, old work that would have been struck if it was made today. Mm-hmm. So if that's the spirit of it, I, I will be honest, this entire week, I, in my mind, I was I was wiggling like a little weasel going. <laughs> but an old action figure that I already own, does that technically? And then I took a big step back and was like, who do I want to be? Do I want to be somebody who in this fight of the moment that is about the entertainment industry but is reflective of the chokehold that billionaires have on us all. Do I want to look back and go, you know what I did? I weaseled away around (laughs) the rules that technically didn't get me caught in in any trouble. Hmm. No, if if I agree with the spirit, if I say I'm willing to to support the why of what is being asked right now by SAG, which is don't promote the work, then let's just let's not weasel let's just do it uh and and it's terrifying uh because we we've worked hard to build uh four center and it's terrifying because i miss i I did some some i had some star wars adventures this week and it hurts to not talk about them Hmm. um but i want to follow the spirit and the why and if i say i actually believe in this i want to do it rather than weasel around and try not to get caught yeah. 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 Well said. Nothing more can add on that. Well done. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I, since I got a little fiery there, I again want to, <laughs> I want to reemphasize what I said. I think there are people who are staking their claim of, uh, I'm, I'm, I am a reviewer and I am reviewing this. And I think that is just fine. Uh, I don't think that we are in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 100%, 100%. Not making the same choice. I mean, we could say, all right, I don't want anything to do with uh, Sager Hollywood in the future. I'll be a reviewer. Uh, that's not the choice I want to make. Right. Yeah. yeah, indeed. 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 All right. Uh, anything else to add, or shall we plunge forward into uh, another center episode about acting? I think we Woo! should. Let's, let's plumb the depths. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you all uh, for sticking with us so far. And uh, now we are going to jump into uh, something that's kind of, I think, on, on our mind because of, hey, the, the striking actors, which is acting uh i thought of this idea because i know bits and pieces of both of your life in history with acting and it it, it comes into the sides when, when we talk about star wars um but i don't know the full picture so i'm really excited to hear from both of you uh your life's journey with acting so the three of us have all done some level of acting at different times in our life, and we'll be diving into the into our history with it and, and the origin stories. But I wanted to start uh, with just a state of the union of what is our relationship with acting now, instead of what role it plays in our in our lives, uh, our careers, our hearts. Uh, Jennifer, you've got the active zag after card, so let's start with you. Where are you at with acting, and what role does it play in your life right now? Acting is my life. Uh, (laughs) I love actors. I love watching clips from movies and TV shows, studying why an actor's performance is so good, 
why it's not so good. I love hearing interviews with actors and learning about like their process or, you know, what that got them into acting, their difficult career paths, you know, all those kinds of things. Um, and it's been a part of my life for so, so long um, that I'm come to a point now where actually before the strike happened, I was like, do I really want to continue doing this? Because let me tell you, it is it's so hard. Mm. You are being rejected so much. People are telling you why they don't want to hire you. And the <laughs> hardest thing as an actor to understand is that you can have all the talent in the world and still not make a living from it. And that weighs on your psyche where you're like, do I suck? Is that, you know, you have to rearrange your, I was on a job hold just this past weekend uh, for a commercial because commercials are not striking. We're still working. And, you know, they wanted for me to rearrange my flight plan to go to New York, uh, all four of my whole family, um, because I could potentially book this job that would pay a lump sum of money, which was fine, but, you know. I can't do it. Like we would lose thousands of dollars if we were to rearrange our whole thing. <laughs> and guess what? I didn't book the job. Mm. Whoever else was on hold did. Imagine mm. if I had gone and rearranged our whole life, our whole vacation because I could work potentially. Mm. So that's kind of what we deal with on a, on a regular basis. And I'm even grateful that I got the audition, got put on hold. That's like a whole other thing. Right. So I have a love a love for acting and also I struggle. I struggle with it. <laughs> That's where I'm at. Uh, no, I understand. So you, you were talking about the, uh, the love of it uh, and also the, the struggle of it, the business wise in, in your current um, acting life for yourself as an actor, what moments do you still find joy where you're like, here, here's that, that glow that makes <laughs> the struggle worth it for you. I mean, just being able to perform, which is why I started doing uh, sketches, being mm. able to and edit my own self and see, I'm like, oh, that is not believable, you know, or, oh, that was a fun wow. choice. Then <laughs> that's when you really learn, right? Because like in, you're in acting class and somebody else is watching you and telling you what they're seeing. And you're like, but I feel it. it, it. No, when you're actually filming yourself and you don't even have to post it online, but if you want to be an actor, film yourself. And you can see, is the, is it on my face? Like, am I believing myself? And if you are not believing your own performance, then nobody else will, because you're going to be the harshest <laughs> critic, right? I mean, right. you can only fake it so far, but the camera will pick it up. And so that, for me, is just being able to perform in any capacity, even if it's for a video that I don't post, which I have a few of those. Mm -hmm. um, it's a fun exercise. I, I enjoy it. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Ken, where, where, how is acting finding you in your life right now? Uh, you know, it's always been something that I, I would describe as um, dabbling, you know, and occasionally a, a friend says, uh, would you like to be my short film? And uh, I, I say, you sure? You sure about that? Uh, but then I have, <laughs> um, but it's going back to the beginning, I, I think uh, acting, performing, uh, entertaining is the core of it for me where it, um, it started out and I'm trying to make sure all aspects of my career are back to this or, or in line with this. It started out as how I communicate with the world. And yeah. as a shy, shy, like you, you don't even understand the word shy, uh, what it means until you see me at like seven, eight to 10 years old, um, who had no, um, no belief that I could talk to the world. Uh, or that yeah. I had a, a place in the conversations around schoolyards or the playgrounds or anything like that. And, um, 
it's it, I first started it, it, and, and it, it turns into like a currency and attention, right? Or you, mm-hmm. you, you, people are paying attention or they laugh or they act or react to you. And that, that started, um, um, my desire for that started early on. Uh, and we'll t- talk about some of those origins. And then by, by sixth grade, I, I shot a video and a, a parody commercial we had to do for an assignment in class on a <laughs> old VHS VCR type thing. And, and playing that in class and watching people laugh and I was able to communicate my thoughts on cereal, right? And that's when it started to be like, oh, this is how I can communicate with the world. And that's where it is now, whether it be stand-up, writing, podcasting. Um, it's it's always me, but it's always um, a, a medium and, and acting is part of that is, is, is uh, how can I get you to see me? Uh, it's by being someone else, but really, really putting yourself in <laughs> I know uh, we we will talk more about uh, everything you're talking about because I think there's like uh, what you're saying I think is really important and then there's kind of a a dark side where we all self-efface and make make fun of that desire to communicate. So I Mm -hmm. want to talk about that more. But in terms of the now of it, um, you have lots of ways to communicate as yourself. Uh, you, you can, you, you've got your other podcast, you've got stand up. uh, you now have a Star Wars podcast where you don't talk about Star Wars, lots of ways <laughs> to communicate. Um, do you get joy from truly feeling like someone other than yourself? I, like, I think a lot of your friends in, in, uh, I'll admit to it too, cast you in, in, in Ken like roles. Um, mm. <laughs> do you feel like you're being asked to do things where you get the, the pleasure of being someone totally different than yourself because that's the that's the reason some people love acting mm-hmm, is to be mm-hmm. like i want a chance to play someone utterly different than myself in in body language in mm-hmm. emotional reality everything have you got the opportunity to be someone else and do you like it it's funny you mentioned that yeah no uh, uh it does happen often and i and i get i get why um and it often works and it's often how i feel comfortable yeah i think that might be the dividing line be- between you know how you go pursue things, right? Like I always joked, I wanted to be a director in college until I started studying it. And I was like, Oh, you don't just stand around on set pointing. Cause that's all that's why Steve George is just on set pointing. <laughs> that's all, <laughs> oh, you have, to, you have to learn lighting. I was like, Oh no, I don't know about this. Um, you know, I watch, uh, you know, Jen, but you mentioned like my, my fiance, my partner, Grace, uh, I, I think she, she would describe acting in a lot of ways like that. A chance to not just be someone else, explore someone else, explore perspective, explore, explore a journey that's not necessarily just yours and i think uh i get i i like playing myself and the last time i've had to do it and play other characters it was was back in my groundling training days to sketch comedy day mm. um and, and i i i even then we can go and in, go into deeper but like even then in trying to be characters sketch characters and not wacky characters the groundlings particularly then was a acting school they told you um mm. and they they weeded out if you were like um you know to borrow, borrow the old lauren michaels term but if you're if you're trying to be a walter crankcase school of dumb you know comedy they they wanted to weed you out um they wanted actors and through the through character you found the comedy um in trying to do that i even got pulled aside and be like you were you were just being yourself and and and, and it was entertaining and blah 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 but like you know, like there's some thing, there's some problems with yourself. Are you seeing it? <laughs> Are you seeing it in your characters? Because <laughs> it always comes out in your characters, and 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 so for me, that's what comedy, uh, which is uh, stand up, particularly, is is the the art of uh, uh, finding you know putting yourself out there in an entertaining way. 
has always mm. been kind of the connection point. But so, so, so I don't know if I answer your question directly, Joseph, but it's, uh, uh, I'd be curious to see if I was like, you know, I'd like to, you know, can you be in our short film? You're going to be uh, this, this, that's not you and your, I don't know. what I, I don't know. what it, Yeah. Well, it's uh, fun. Uh, it's fun. I, it, I, I, I'll, I'll brainstorm. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah. So uh, for myself in terms of, yeah. of, yeah, yeah. I'm relating to a lot of what uh, both you are saying. I would love it to be uh, more a part of my life. Uh, it is one of the reasons that I've started focusing on short films is because uh, I think uh, a gift in a curse of wanting to do lots of different creative things in my life and almost all of them are like, hey, if you really want to do that, you should pick that and you should put your back into it. Hmm. Um, and uh, I don't have time before I die <laughs> to put my back into all the things I want to do. But in terms of doing a film, I can use a lot of the skills that I've already gained and acting is one of them. And it for me, it wasn't it, my current uh, uh, place with acting is similar to the way I started out, which is. I'm fascinated by acting. I study actors. I have favorite actors. I've had, I've been cast in, in, you know, Shakespeare and children's theater and all sorts of things that I do not write, that I'm just an actor, but it's all started with, it's an extension of, I want to tell a story and I understand how to tell that story. So it's mm. not so much of like, I am going to write something and I don't really care about the writing. I'm just going to write something very dramatic so I can, mm. you know, be on stage or be on camera and act. It's always like, I want to tell this story and mm. I know what I need to tell that story. Mm. Um, in, in the short films right now are just like, uh, I, I want to experiment. So I'm just going to do this. And I happen to have, um, I hope this skill set of acting, so I'll do it. Um, and Jenna, I really relate to what you're saying of how helpful it is to film yourself. Mm -hmm. um, the the first kind of experimental thing I did in the last year was uh, that short film that's on YouTube. If people have watched it or want to check it out, it's called Unboxing the Cosmos. It's about a, a content creator who uh, it, it unboxes a, a horrible dark thing that you shouldn't. But it's also just about, uh, I think, what a lot of us feel uh, these days about uh, the sort of the attention economy of like it's natural to want to feel seen and heard, but also that can be destructive when you give your entire value to how many people see you or follow you. Um, so, and I just wanted to tell that story. Uh, and I hadn't acted in a long time and I had to and I film myself. <laughs> I had some takes were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you're saying the lines and you're making your face all crinkly because you're angry now. But yeah. there's no real anger there. So it had to be like, OK. Like I'd stop and do like a little exercise sitting at my own desk and be like, how does it feel? How does that feel? And get myself angry and get it mm. true, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and then same thing in the, uh, the recent short film that I'm, that Ken was in, uh, I played a character because uh, I, I felt like I, A, I can't afford another actor <laughs> <laughs> and B, like it was a weird thing that like, I know what I want, but I know I'm going to struggle right now to communicate it. So I just played it to play it. Uh, out of necessity to tell the story and it was a lot of fun um so that's where acting is in in my life right now i would love to get back to to acting but when i moved to la i was like i'm gonna pursue stand-up i'm gonna pursue writing of all kinds uh you know I, i'm gonna do lots of different things but i when i got here people were like so you're gonna start acting like self-tapes and commercials <laughs> like no no <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing I'm not making time for. So, uh, yeah. Who would be crazy enough to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Everyone here. Yeah. Uh, 
when I was when I was young uh, in in high school, a girl I really liked uh, said, "You have a striking face," and she said it with like a question mark too. And I've always felt that way of like, <laughs> I am not stereotypically handsome, handsome. It's all angles. And so like, I I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. That's great. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Ken, you got us started on this topic of going back in time and, and starting out what gave us the acting bug. Jen, when you were when you even had any glimmer of being an actor, if you were four or 18, I don't know when it happened for you. What gave you the acting bug and made you say, I want to try this? Um, when I was like three, uh, my, my mom was a part of the church choir. And so she had me start performing like <laughs> when I was three. Wow. And, yeah. And then when I was like around five, I started uh, studying the piano and then I became, um, doing competitions. It was very, very stressful. And so that was the majority of my childhood was competing every weekend in these piano competitions. Uh, but what happened was around that time of like five, six, I started began, I began to do musical theater. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to do. That's acting and singing is way more fun than me having to make every note perfect. And if I mess up one note, they will dock me a point and I'll get in second place. So it became like this, this kind of like, chance for me to, to just be and relax and acting is v- very different than classical piano. Um, so yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty young when I, when I started performing. <laughs> yeah. I had no choice. Once you fell in love with it, well, I guess, did you, um, I know there are lots of negative stereotypes of the sort of the helicopter parents you know, mm. w- wanting their child to, to accomplish something. Uh, not mm-hmm. out your parents uh, but did was there any negativity to that did you have to sort of find acting for yourself the oh. reason that you were doing it rather than the reason your parents wanted you to do it oh yeah my mom wanted me to be a classical pianist like that was what she was like which is odd because I'm like that still is an artist you know musicians are not not any better position than actors <laughs> uh, but I was always like when I was a kid we had a friend who would do uh, commercials and they would drive from Orange County to LA to, to audition and I remember telling my mom I want to do that and she's like absolutely not you can wait and do it when you're older and so I did theater a lot as, as a kid, but it was always this struggle of if it takes away from piano, you can't do it. Mm. And I had that battle with her until I was uh, in college. And I was like, I'm going to double major in English and theater. And she's like, why not music? And I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, yeah. So I, I staked my claim and that was pretty mm. much, that was it. But yeah, it was hard. I love what you're saying about the difference between um, music and acting that you felt that the the music that you, the world of music that you were being exposed to was a little bit of of rigid of it has to be correct mm-hmm. uh it, so did you obviously sometimes acting has to be correct like you know say your line kid um <laughs> but smart. did you did, yeah did you find it just like much more was it mo- did it feel more organic to you like like i have to say the line but i can say it any way i want to yeah. And it was, it's much more like the, in, the instrument is you. And also mm. I, I ha, kind of have social anxiety as I've learned later in life, especially as a kid, Ken, I can relate. Like I was mm. so, so shy, 
But being able to act out these scenarios, have a script, I knew exactly what I was going to say. I could live out what I imagined life would be if I had just gotten out of my shell, right? (laughs) So I could have these moments, fun moments with friends in a car, whatever it is, or have a boyfriend, you know, through acting, I was like living and discovering, oh, this is what it means to like be a person and, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. have and take us and be angry because I didn't really express my anger a lot. I was so quiet. So it was very cathartic and freeing and acting. I mean, in a piano was very rigid and you have to be perfect. And Mm. the worst thing is in you're in that that concert hall and you mess up or your finger slips Mm -hmm. because your fingers are sweaty. And oh my, oh God, it gives me anxiety now. But Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I totally relate to that. You play music, right? Joseph, you play the drums. I right? did. Yeah, yeah. I, I did. And I'm, I'm, I think I did some damage to my hearing because it was about uh, anger and expression. And it, yeah, it had mm. to be some amount of precise. But that, I, I tried. I wanted to be the annoying guy, uh, you know, in a dorm room with guitar. Uh, but mm-hmm. a, I didn't live in a dorm room and I never mastered the guitar because of that, like uh, that thing. And, and my dad played the drum. So he taught me. And he, I mean, you do have you obviously have to be precise with the drums, but it's not it's not quite the same thing. And by their nature, it's, it's wailing on them. So it's, a mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, to be a better drummer, uh, you should have a little bit more dynamics uh, than, than I did back in the day. Um, <laughs> but it was still that like, um, it, it was, you have to keep this beat, but then within it, there's a fill here. Yeah, And I could make up what the fill is. And you're not supposed to, if you're playing along to this song, they don't hit the symbol there, but I'm going to. I've, uh, it was a lot of ways to express exactly what both of you were talking about of, of feeling uh, shy and quiet and, mm. you know, getting to have a voice. That, that's mm. what the drums were about me. If I, if I had tried to play the drums just like in the school band and it would be like precision marching mm. on a snare drum, I would have hated it with my entire soul. It was because I was alone in the basement with my Beatles and Led Zeppelin and Guns N' Roses cassettes being allowed to do whatever the bleep I wanted to. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's what music should be. It should be freeing. It should be fun. And it's, it's improvisation in some sense. You know, that mm. that is the gift of music. I'm trying to get back to it because I do enjoy playing Um but yes, those years definitely were traumatizing. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably so. Um, Ken, I'm going to kick it back to you for a second, but I, I find it fascinating that we're all in the, the same place about what initially gave us the acting bug. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, for many, many years, I think I would have made the self-effacing joke of attention. And I've written many actor characters who are, vain and make it all about themselves and you know and and I've worked with actors who are who are vain and I've worked with actors who figure out where your laugh line is and and step on it on purpose to make sure you don't yeah. get a laugh. Wow. I've definitely worked with actors who fall into the uh the all the stereotypes we make about actors. Um and so a part of me wants to make the joke of like uh I wanted attention. Mm. Uh and that's the self-effacing way to say it. But Ken, you started us off so well to talk about the the truth of it. Um, I think I was a little shy, but honestly, also I feel like everyone around me told me I should be shy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, don't yeah. you know? Don't be yeah. too loud. We, we've talked about mm-hmm. this. You know, we all grew up in in different um, parts of the the country with di- different families, different beliefs. But but uh, the culture I grew up in was, you know, don't, don't be too loud. You should 
you should get this level of attention and then stop because mm. anything beyond that is is egomania. Just do something and let somebody else compliment you, but don't don't toot your own horn. Don't be loud. Um, and I think for me, a lot of it was also about the physical. Like I, I, in high school, I made jokes and I played the drums and I, I tried to sort of peek my, I, you know, wrote for the literary journal. Like I tried to like peek my head out, but a lot of my shyness, and a lot of my shame growing up was being extremely thin, not confident about the way I looked or the way I dressed or the way I sounded. So acting addressed all those fears, whereas like it's me and my gangly awful body <laughs> being loud on stage. And particularly when mm-hmm. acting blended into comedy. Right. And, you know, uh, both my brother and I um, were very thin and mocked for it. And we had some other friends who uh, were, uh, you know, had different body types that they were teased for. And we loved it. Any, any, any chance we could figure out in our sketch comedy shows to take our shirts off (laughs) because it was on one hand, it was the comedy of these, you know, not perfect Mm -hmm. men with their shirts off. But I think the truth of it was, it was just so freeing to be loud and expressive and, and feel like Mm -hmm. I'm showing my body and it's giving me power instead of shame. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's deep. Ken, did you take your shirt off a lot? No, I, no, I, I still don't. Um, and I, and I, I lift weights almost daily. Uh, I also eat daily, unfortunately. Um, but that comes from, that comes from childhood. We'll, we'll get to the, the other center childhood trauma. <laughs> we need the strike to end. But it was even just something that's, yeah, I laughed because it was just something that was even brought up recently. One of my friends was like, yeah, I've, n- I've never seen you like with your, your shirt off. And I'm like, and you won't. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, you, it, 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 it's acting or just entertaining it. How it's so crazy how, as it does, it does come. It's, and it's not always like unhealthy. It's just, I think natural mm-hmm. starting points of, of, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, other, other kids, uh, have different kind of levels of confidence or different kind of levels of uh, interest. And I, I'm glad I'm a shy kid. Uh, I wish I wasn't as shy, but I'm glad I'm a shy kid versus, you know, I, I will always secretly loathe the class clown in the corner. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. Uh, Yeah. It's a good starting point. (laughs) Yeah. Very good starting point. Uh, Ken, do you, do you have more to say about what gave you the acting bug? I don't remember specifically when it started. Um, my dad is very shy. And when I say shy, we're also very quiet. Uh, you know, uh, if, if you ride in a car with me for an extended period of time, I'm better talking. Um, but like I've driven cross country and in complete silence for 12 hours a day in a car. I, I just, I'm very happy just alone, quiet, listening to music, contemplating. And then when it's time to get on stage or in front of a microphone, all the thoughts that I've had in that, those car rides come out or mm. left. that's just, and that's not unique. It's, it, it's just part of me. Uh, but my mom was a little bit, my mom's a little bit more outgoing, um, a little bit more friendly, a little bit more chatting with the clerk. Uh, well, we're out of a restaurant or, or a grocery store to the point where I have to actually, I have to walk away. And I, can, I like to consider myself so, somewhat affable with those who are checking us out, you know, uh, mm-hmm. or, or checking us in even. Um, so I think it, it definitely came out of that uh, early, early on. So it's funny, Jen, you start, your story starts in, in, in a church. Mine starts in the church as well. Um, hmm. My, so there's a, this is going way back to the eighties, actually to 1979, eighties. There was a, a character and a series of characters in, in a, in a, in a, uh, a show, an ongoing kind of like a universe called Salty the Singing Songbook. 
Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so you know selfies. So the co- yes. the co-creators of that was a husband and wife team, Debbie Kerner and Ernie Rotino. They went to Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa. That's where my parents yes. were, my parents knew them. So uh they were there when they first debuted the characters. And oh throughout the eighties, there was your your church drama department either did a salty the singing songbook show or you did <laughs> I Cop the musical, which yes. was like a Christian influenced version of say Greece, but it was set in the eighties with malt <laughs> valley speak and everything. So I wanted to do it and I felt I could try out for our church's production of Salty the Singing Songbook. And I told my mom <laughs> I wanted to do it. And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And of course, it was kind of, I mean, they were friends. They were, they, Debbie and Ernie would, were at their house with a, acoustic guitars going, we'd like to play you something we're trying to out to introduce the kids. And, and so I was like, yeah, and they were like, oh, this is great. This is very exciting. And I got to the mass auditions at our church on a Wednesday night, a small town church there, Calvary Chapel, Royal Grande. And I got up and left. And oh. freaked out and couldn't do it. And um, uh, my mom and dad, I, looking back, I don't know the details of it. I was very young. I was like seven or eight range because I was inspired because that that space saga thing I loved was transporting my mind to where stories and entertaining that that guy with the whip in the in the fedora, all these all these Star Trek, all this and it emerged and I and I was like I want to be part of this. Uh, they didn't turn me around and march me back in, which I am thankful for, but also. Uh, at times question because that was a, a long-standing pattern where they were more, mm. they wanted me to be safe and not hurt mm. versus uh, pushing forward to, to become a better, uh, stronger version of myself. When I, I want to be a baseball player, I got cut from, from the team in ninth grade. I got very depressed. So my depression really kicked in. There was no, let's go to the park and, and, and practice. There was a, well, we just got to make sure he's not hurt. Uh, and that's something that, again, mm. for other center tra- tra- trauma will emerge. <laughs> all tied to the, the acting and the entertaining thing. And it wasn't in about four or five years later, sixth grade, here I'm 11, 12, got a crush on Shelly in class. How do I impress her? Uh, <laughs> joke with my friends, uh, Sean and Gavin. And how do I take those jokes and put them into something? And, and I made that little video. It was a parody commercial of a, a serial thing, I remember. And uh, that felt so good. And that led me to uh, studying acting in, in junior high, taking the theater classes and speech and uh, um, uh, speech performances, the speech team. I didn't do the debate as much. I loathed the debate. But uh, uh, yeah, that's where it began. But I, So I don't have the exact moment where I was like, ah, oh, I want to be an actor, be an entertainer. Mm. I just remember thinking, I can do that because I want to do that. Uh, mm. I, I, can, I can play Salty the Singing Songbook, son. I forget what his name was. Uh, he was a green. It was like a little green songbook. Um, well, maybe we yeah. should. Maybe we should. Uh, on other center, we can do a dramatic reading of yes. Salty. Yes. <laughs> That's I can't believe that. That's uh, so yeah, yeah, and I know it's Jen. Funny, you're 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 kind of Orange County based in a way, um, right? Like down there. I, yeah, I went to Calvary Chapel in in New, Newport Mesa or whatever it was, Costa Mesa. Costa Mesa. And I sang on Salty's on one of the albums. I remember <gasps> our choir went. I totally forgot about that until you said that. Yeah, I, I remember now the recording studio, and that's weird. We just like sang one song. Wait a minute. So there's song. a possibility that Ken used to listen to records of you singing. That's probably. I don't. I don't know. I was young. I was young, but I don't remember. I should ask my mom. She'll remember. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Salty was was big was big yeah Mar- uh, and the company the the, the 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 company that put it out was something called Marath- maranatha music 
Um, mm. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, Pastor Chuck Smith dedicated me. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's so wow. funny. See, we're learning things here, aren't you? So all weird journey. <laughs> <laughs> I love I that we're uh, the, we're we're defining. I think uh, uh, goals and hopes and dreams for how long other center lasts. So we need to strike to end before we do the uh, the ranked <laughs> episode of our top fifteen best life dramas. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Ken, what was your then first acting performance? Uh, your your first audition walkout was Salty. <laughs> so, what was the wow. first time where you were like, I'm, uh, oh, I, I, yeah. I'm on stage, I'm acting? Yeah, it was uh, in my uh, junior high production of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, in which I portrayed Mike TV. No way. Yeah, yeah. I was oh also an Oompa Loompa on the other night. We had two nights, but uh, the first night <laughs> <I> was my. <laughs> And did, awesome. How did was how did you end? Did you audition for that? Did you get past the salty trauma and audition for that, or did yeah, you just? But, but yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. By this point, it was uh, it, it was uh, seventh grade, uh, my first semester, seventh grade. So what I'm you know eleven, twelve year old kid, um, and so we auditioned, and um, I'd always liked that movie, the Gene Wilder movie. I hadn't really actually read the books, but um, uh, yes, I can't remember the exact process, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 I got it, and I saw my name on the paper on the on the on the window, you know that day you went to school early and our teacher, uh, Mike Lebo was the name of our director, our, our long time. He just retired actually last year. Uh, and I saw my name and it was like, uh, I don't, I don't feel, uh, maybe it's not true. Maybe it's what I feel, but I don't feel I win a lot in life. So that was one of the early victories. My oh. name, a dream came true. I am Mike TV. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Jen, what was your first actual, uh, performance that you remember? Uh, I was in Annie, get your gun. The first, yeah, Annie, get your gun. Uh, I was just in the chorus, uh, because I was still, you know, I was, I was kind of newer to the scene. Then the next year I got to be an Annie and there I got to play Lily who, uh, Bernadette Peters played her in wow. the 1982 film. That was a fun role. And I got to have like a fake fur wrap and I wore a beret with sparkles on it and I wore high heels Dalmatian print, high heels. I was like seven, six, I think. I'm not sure. Wait, wow. Was I younger? Was I five? I don't remember. I don't remember. But my mom, my mom was a part of it. She was a, a co-musical director. So even that's the craziest thing. Like the first year, my mom didn't even let me have like a solo writing. <laughs> she just dug me in the chorus. <laughs> of uh, Annie, get your gun. <laughs> I love that you were in Annie, get your gun, and then. Little Orphan Annie, and now mm. I want to see like a mashup of you know Little Orphan Annie, get your gat. Uh, oh yeah, oh. <laughs> starring Jennifer yeah. Landa is oh, grown up Annie. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, th I I think my first like performance of any kind was my brother and I did some uh, lip syncing at like a school fair to a Michael Jackson song. That uh, this was this was the three years I went to a uh, Catholic school. Um, and, uh, we were not allowed to do any of the, the big hits. <laughs> We'd find, had to find deep cuts and convince the, uh, the nun that there was nothing naughty being said. Uh, but that was much more like just, the, uh, kids screwing around doing a little performance. Um, mm. the first time I, that I was like, oh, that's acting, uh, in eighth grade, uh, my junior high did a production of Oliver Twist. Ooh. And because I was doing a lot of visual art stuff, uh, then uh, they asked me to uh, uh, to repaint some of the the flats. 
Uh, so it was like at rehearsal and they're like, hey, we don't have enough orphans. <laughs> Does anybody else want to be an orphan? And I wanted attention. So I was like, sure, I'll be an orphan. Um, and uh, I had the like, I don't, I honestly don't remember if I was given the stereotype line or if it was one of those like horrible, I just said something that I shouldn't. Uh, mm. But the, I said the uh, please, sir, may I have some more? Um, in like, best line. Yeah, I know. And they're like, please, sir, may I have some more? Horrible British, <laughs> British accent. Uh, but then this, uh, I can't remember if she was in, I think she might have been in the actual show. Anyway, this, this girl I liked, um, the like the whoever was doing the production had made some like they were making oatmeal or whatever for the gruel mm. um and she like dared me to say like i'm going to i'm going to make you mystery gruel you know will you eat it on stage and i wanted to impress her so i don't even i have no idea mm. what you put in there but it was awful uh but I, so i got a laugh by spitting it out <laughs> i'm sure totally disrupting oh everything else but it was so it was a dangerous first performance <laughs> One line that I can't remember if I was told to say, and then <laughs> spitting out food for a cheap laugh. Oh, that's uh, awesome. That that was the beginning of the adventure for me. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Uh, so, uh, Jen, back to you. What was then the the first performance that made you think that you might really, really want to choose this? That acting might be a major part of your life or or career. Was that either of the Annies, or was that later? <laughs> You know what? It wasn't until later where I was like, oh, this could actually be a profession. Um, I was studying at South Coast Repertory in Costa Mesa, mm. and uh, I was in their kids program. And they were holding auditions for the kid actors in A Christmas Carol that year. And my mom was like, they had, my teachers were like, oh, you should audition. But my mom was like, look, this is Charles Dickens. It takes place in England, the 1840s. Chances are they're probably not going to cast you. <laughs> You're Mexican. Okay. She was like trying to prepare me for, for potentially the, the hard truth. Um, so I went and actually it was kind of more freeing in that way, right? Where you're like, well, what do I have to lose? They're not going to cast me anyways. So I did my, my, uh, my uh, audition. And it just so happens that that year, the man who was going to be young Ebenezer was a Latino actor. Mm -hmm. So they needed to cast his, uh, his younger, you know, his older sister when he was a child. And so because of that, they cast me. And so I got to play Ebenezer's sister fan um, in A Christmas Carol at South Coast Rep. And it was an equity production and I got paid and I was around <gasps> professional actors. It was the most incredible experience uh, and I will never forget it. And it really changed my life because I was like, oh, people do do this for a living. And they were all theater actors. And they, they were like, don't go into theater, go into, go into TV and film, there's more money. Um, but yeah, that was the first time where I was like, I want to do this and being a part of like the, like a family, you know, coming together to put on a show. There's, mm. there's nothing like it. That was it. I was done. <laughs> yeah. So how old were you? Did you say? I was 15. Wow. That's yeah. a great acting. Acting is, a uh, is the next chapter, uh, adventure yeah. of my life story. Yeah. Uh, Ken, was it in, in Groundlings where you thought that acting might be something you were more interested in or was it a different time? Um, I mean, that, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, there, there, there was some stuff on the way there that I thought, yeah, that not just acting, but the whole performing, writing sketches, all that kind of stuff where I thought that this was was uh, a viable thing. And I, I think it was, uh, you know, we go, we'll go into the trauma issue some other time. Um, but I, I, I was very well respected, very well received by my, my colleagues and my classmates and my teachers and even members of the Groundlings. 
Uh, it just it didn't work out that way. But I, I really think um, it started in seventh grade with Mike TV. And then by eighth grade, I was uh, Fred Gailey in A Miracle on 34th Street. And I thought I'd won an Oscar. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my teacher wrote the, the role with me in mind is when I say wrote, he, he adapted it for junior high. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I created this thing called Miracle 34th Street. Um, I had, uh, I technically had my first kiss on stage in eighth grade. Um, oof, that was, uh, traumatizing. um, um, <laughs> <laughs> My teacher, knowing that, hey, we're all in junior high, and we used to have packed, our audiences were, were out drawing the high school productions. Like, we, 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 for whatever reason, we had a good reputation, and, and, and a lot of people come out to the play. And he knew that it was going to be tough for us in junior high to kiss on stage, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. What he did, he one day, without telling us, we get to class, and, he, and, he, and me, and her name was Heather, she was my, uh, played opposite me, and we had to sit up in front of the entire class of uh, 40 to 50 kids in this drama department. And we had a kiss for like 30 minutes. Like, oh, I do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Wow. And man, that that might've, I always say I'm a late bloomer. I think that might've been why. Um, Uh, But I set you back, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Want to attach trauma to kissing. There you go. Uh, But, 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 but then I, I stopped and, and, and I was self-defeated, but I did not go on to perform pursue acting or theater or even speech in, in high school until uh, my senior year. Uh, I, I th- three years of depression. I didn't want to play baseball. I was a big passionate baseball fan. I wanted to do that. I couldn't, I lacked the skills too, uh, but, but it was weird. I, 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 so I stopped. So like my career started in seventh grade and ended in eighth grade. <laughs> Everything mm. is acting. It's acting. Uh, but I, I saw, I think I saw it as comedy going forward, you know? Mm-hmm. That that is, uh, I really relate to that. I think um, because I I didn't until later in life allow myself the label of actor. Mm-hmm. You know, watch television shows and go, "Ooh, uh, I, I like that choice." Here's how I would make that choice, or whatever. All those kind of like just you know, capital A actor now and things. Yeah. Everything was sort of a, a side door. Of uh, once I started um, doing more performance, it was like it, it started out of. Um, one of the ways to express myself was to, to is paintings and literary journals. And then at various art shows later in high school, like my brother and his older friends would be like, instead of just showing our paintings or reading our poetry, we're going to have a dramatic reading. Mm. And then pretty soon the dramatic reading was a, a script. That was a script, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't mm-hmm. just reading something already written. Um, and we kind of, kind of started doing a couple little things like that. And then I went to the university of Minnesota and I think at the time it was kind of the big school union, uh, Kaufman it's called. And I think they must've just been trying to book, uh, the theater with, with student led productions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't book it. I think my, my brother's friend booked it, but then, uh, Jennifer, much like you had this sort of like, we are writing and we're rehearsing for months and this is the only thing we're doing all day. And it's that just like mm-hmm. living with another community, mm-hmm. um, but I was still thinking of it as sort of an extension of uh, painting and, and writing and maybe sketch comedy, you know, maybe performance art. Uh, but we worked on this thing for months. I played multiple characters, uh, but one of them, this was a very weird, uh, a weird show, um, very influenced by vaudeville and you know, sort of Rat Pack era. So uh, uh, it, it, I think my brother and his friend played these weird traveling hypnotists that are having a conflict that I don't even remember what it was. Uh, but 
uh, I was playing a lounge singer named Sardine Man <laughs> with with a fake cigarette. Actually, then it was probably a real cigarette and uh, in like a mask. And it's only I was playing many characters, but I was backstage about to go on as Sardine Man. And this uh, other older friend of my brother's was like, um, so how long has it been since you uh, last acted? You're doing a great job at the acting. Hmm. In backstage, it was like, oh, yeah, this is acting. I had entirely, I, I, didn't, I helped write and rehearse a play and still didn't call it acting. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Until this guy did. And it was like, it, it was one of those moments where like, life isn't normally like a biopic. Um, but it was like a perfectly biopic moment. It's like I walked out on that stage as lounge singer Sardine Man going, I am an actor now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That label. Wow. Man, that's, that's, sometimes those labels are scary. The mm-hmm. labels are difficult. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we are going to be back to discuss a little bit more acting. Back in a moment. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. And we are back to continue our other center discussion of acting and also <laughs> some <laughs> topic of trauma. Uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about our, our experience is how we, we found our way into acting and uh, came to love it. The traumas it uh, addressed and caused, uh, the label difficulty. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about how we saw acting from outside ourselves, from other people. So, Jen, who was an actor you admired as a kid? I may have mentioned this before. When I was a kid, I uh, was in love with Drew Barrymore mm-hmm. as Gertie in E.T. Mm-hmm. So much so that when my kindergarten teacher, we went around in a circle, everyone was saying, you know, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be fireman, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I want to be Gertie in E.T. And then the, mm-hmm. she's like, oh, you want to be an actor? And I was like, ah, okay. But uh, <laughs> to me, there was, I mean, no one, like she was so real. And I was like, mm-hmm. how could, how could this be? I'd never seen like kid actors like that who were so genuine that I, I really believe like she really was that character. And then later on, I became obsessed with Winona Ryder. <laughs> mm, oh yeah. Understandably so. Yeah. Uh, did you, did you want Winona Ryder's roles? Were you like, those are the kind of things I want to do? Yeah, 100%. 100%. All of them. Heather. I loved Heather's. Obviously, Beetlejuice, Edward Scissorhands, like all, all of that stuff. Yeah. That, Carmichael. Oh, wow. That, that makes a ton of sense. And now do you want her role on Stranger Things? Oh, yeah. That would be fun. I was thinking about that. I was like, you know, I should just really lean into this mom thing. Just really. <laughs> I just be all the moms on the sitcoms. I'd, I'd take that. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah. It would be true. You have the life experience. Uh, <laughs> Ken, who did you look at when you when you were a kid? When when you were prepping for your your big kiss and roll? Uh, <laughs> who did you look to on television to be like your hero? Oh my gosh, that's a great that's a that's a great question. I didn't I wasn't allowed to watch it, but it might have been Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd's uh, hint on uh, Moonlighting. <laughs> oh my <laughs> gosh! Uh, but so yeah, I, I, growing up in the, in, in the eighties and, and having all those. TV shows and movies to get, but you know, without a doubt, it was, you know, the, the Harrison Fords and Mark Hamill's of the world and all that stuff. I was a big Steve Martin fan from the, from the beginning. Uh, mm. um, the movie, all of me was one of the first times I remember just like, uh, just being enthralled with a performance mm. uh, of, um, of, of, of just the physical, the, the, the comedy, not understanding, you know, I'm not there for the nuance and the depth of the emotions. I'm just there for what it makes me feel on the surface and in my heart. So, so those are some of the earliest, um, 
performers. Uh, and and they, a lot of them translate as, as they get older, but um, yeah, yeah. Just it, 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 it's, it's the personalities, right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he ain't the greatest. Jan Michael Vincent on Airwolf was one of my favorites just because he just smoldered through the screen. I want to be cool and, <laughs> and attack helicopter like that, you know, the, the stuff like that. Because it was, again, mm. the stories. It was, it was the feeling like I was being pulled into those worlds. Right. That desire to just feel cool is yeah. is compelling and powerful. And yet, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think for me, once I started to figure out that, oh, the, these aren't characters, these are actors. I mean, Mark, Mark Hamill was huge. We talked a lot about yeah. uh, why I related uh, to his character and his uh, performance. Um, but particularly as I got into my teen years and I, I wasn't using the label actor but was doing things, Yeah, I think I was responding because it's something I loved and I was responding to uh, the emotion of like, the, the, he, he makes me feel you know what he is feeling how does he do that um so definitely mark hamill i remember the shock when when i started to go out into the world and discover that some people didn't think he did a good job and just mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. huge amounts of rage i had to contain mm-hmm. <laughs> um my mom watched the soap opera all my children a ton so we watched that uh in, in, in summer yeah. break all the time right um and there are a bunch of uh there's an actor on on all my children who's on there for years he was also on Gunsmoke. uh sadly passed away in 2015 uh named david canary um and he played uh two characters uh he played this really ruthless uh rich man named adam chandler uh and then he played his like sensitive artistic brother stewart so part of it was the like wow I, I was as a kid, I was able to see, oh, you can be different people. That's acting. You know, yeah. as far as I knew, uh, you know, Pierce Brosnan on Remington Steel was just always like that. Um, yeah. yeah. And maybe yeah. is. But when you saw an actor be like just like the most yeah. brutal, scary, mean guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I hear another Adam uh, David Canary fan in the background there. Yeah. Uh, so that that was huge for me to just to see an actor. Mm-hmm. be able to play extreme opposites. Yeah. There's like we've talked, we've joked about it before of, the, of that moment where, you you know, for me, it might be seeing, seeing Harrison Ford in the galaxy far, far away. And then, you know, uh, in our world, looking for artifacts where I'm like, wait a second. He looks like the same <laughs> guy. Like, and there's those moments you start to realize it. But then when you really start to appreciate it, even when you're young, you know, like, oh, that person's, they're doing that. And I like, I'm reacting to what they're doing. I love that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jen, uh, in your current age, uh, who are you really admiring now that you know so much more about the craft of acting and have opinions and perspectives? Who do you who do you admire? I'm going to go through them fast because there's so many. OK, Sarah Snook, Matthew McFadden, Masterclass, every single episode mm-hmm. of that show that they were on. Uh, Viola Davis, incredible and in everything she does, even in smaller roles. I just saw her in uh, the Ben Affleck air one. Uh, Oscar Isaac, Indira Varma, mm. Pedro Pascal, John Boyega. They're my favorites from that franchise. Mm. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, Jesse Plemons. Talk about like fantastic acting with just their faces um, in Love and Death. Uh, I'm gonna, sorry, I'm going to be naming some shows. Black Mirror. Has some some of the best acting right now. Aaron Paul, Josh Hartnett, Annie Murphy, uh, Anjana Vasan, and Papa uh, Isidu. Incredible. Mm. Uh, and lastly, I'll say, and I have not, I'm not promoting this this thing, but I, as an actor, Margot Robbie, what I really like about her is that she brings an energy to every role that she does. Kind of similar to like Tom Cruise. Like Tom Cruise has an energy about him. And I'm always <laughs> like, I always get on board. I'm like, I'm always entertained. And that's, uh, that to me is like, that's, that's like a movie star, right? That mm-hmm, those are like mm-hmm. movie stars. Uh, but mm-hmm. there's just so many. I, I, I love actors. I love them all. 
Yeah, well, that's great. That is a great list. I look forward to discussing in in greater depth. Uh, uh, I'm going to jump in here, Ken, and then mm-hmm. uh, I'll I'll pitch to you. I I think so much of my experience with acting is I've, I've definitely done some straight drama stuff as a as an actor as a director, less so as a writer, but as a writer. Um, and then I've often bumped up against um, actors who uh, struggle with being honest with comedy that mm-hmm. they think because it's funny, Oh, it's time to be silly and goofy. Like you, you, you give them drama and they're like, here's the, you know, 80 page thesis I wrote about the character, mm-hmm. uh, but it's one joke. And they're like, so can I go boing? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so I really admire those actors that just approach everything is, is truth. And it can be the most outlandishly absurd thing, but you know that the actor knows why the character is doing this thing that translates to, you know, comedy. And, mm. and then in in the next moment, they can pivot into something that is horrifically serious and, and dark. And, and the comedy is probably horrifically serious and dark. It's all coming from a, a true play. So I love people who can, actors who are just, uh, find that, truth and and then along with that they have dramatic chops and they have comedic chops because even when you're being really 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 true you, you still have to i love that you described acting jennifer is is uh you are the instrument in like you still have to you know deliver the the timing and mm-hmm. the pauses and emphasize the right syllable for a joke to land um you know, and sometimes people kind of abandon the truth and just think, oh, it's just about structure and timing. Like, no, it's got to be both, in, right. in my opinion. So anyway, uh, an actor I deeply admire is uh, Peter Capaldi, um, mm. who can just do absolutely anything and have it be true and unique at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a thing that I that I uh, always need to work on in, in acting, which is funny because everybody says, you know, acting is is reacting um, that I, I, I don't know if that I'm the best reacting actor. Um, so, uh, Lily Reinhardt, uh, who's on a show <laughs> that I watch mm-hmm. is just the reaction queen. I think directors must come in and say, we need to restructure this so that actor can react to more things. Hmm. It's, it, 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 uh, my, my, I'll shout out my friend, Tim Uren in, in Minneapolis, who I've done a lot of work with. He is also just, um, a phenomenal reaction actor and we all should be but because i'm not always the best at that i really marvel at people who are just like you they can speak volumes uh you know with just a quick shot at mm-hmm. how they are it's specifically in film acting mm-hmm. a quick shot tells you you know a thousand things so mm-hmm. those are two big ones for me how about you ken mm-hmm. uh it, it's fun to track as is is where i am now and how you get there and you know you mentioned funny you mentioned drew barrymore and gertie et is, is big in my life too uh, even though I'm not like a giant fan of ET, you don't have posters and everything. I, I, I saw in the theater and Henry Thomas and that film oh. just, just, I, I felt it was, was me on, on, on screen. It, it just, the magic of that film and the Amblin era uh, and, and, and Barrymore's Gertie's absolutely um, uh, has, uh, just a legendary performance uh, um, in a, in a fascinating that could have been super tragic life, but I think she's overcome so much to become uh, who she is. And I, I'm still a fan of her because of that and also mm-hmm. 1994's Bad Girls which is uh, a different thing <laughs> but I, by that time I, 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 a, lot, a lot of my old friends will tell you they think of me they think of one actor at Madeline Stowe I was a am still a giant fan of Madeline Stowe <laughs> Lats Mohi oh yeah yeah uh, everything on and, and Revenge TV's show Revenge a couple years ago oh yeah 
Um, fascinating performer. I think uh, 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 a real uh, wonderful uh, leading lady during that era of the 90s. Um, but it's funny how it grows and it grows with you. And I like I have my superstar, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm a Clooney fan. And he's mm. the leading man type and everything. Uh, I guess I'm a fan of the Oceans uh, trilogy, but just up in the air and intolerable cruelty. Just I, 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 I think he, he's you know you mentioned the Tom Cruise, the Margot Robbie stuff. There, there is such thing as that 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 leading performer and, and that movie star, and, and that that can often hide their true skills. And I, I think for me, he's one I mm. to a lot. But along the way, like I was a big Ben Stiller fan, and by the way, I still am. Mm. But it's just, you go through yeah. phases, right? Um, yeah, him from flirting to uh, flirting with disaster to like uh, Royal Tenenbaums was 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 real important to me. But around that time, coming out, I was studying uh, uh, screenwriting and film in high school before I got into radio or college before I got into radio. The first time I remember a performance where it was beyond the 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 star or the stars um, was uh, the 1998 uh, uh, version of Great Expectations, which is a Korean film. Mm. Yeah. So you have Ethan Aqua, I think it's great. You have, you have Gwyneth Paltrow, they're the lead and all this stuff. Chris Coper plays uh, <gasps> Ethan Hawke's adopted mm. father. And yes. he's got that scene where there's, if anyone's seen the movie, where he he goes to the, 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 the art, the first art show, messes up, knocks the drink over, and, and Ethan Hawke essentially tells him, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you later, and get, he gets kicked out. And he's there in a, in a cheap kind of rented tux that's 10 years out of style, and he's just trying to be supportive of this kid that he, he, he took on as his own over there. And he's out on the sidewalk, nearly crying, nearly breaking down, but not. And that scene broke me. And the mm. first time I was like, okay, that wasn't the lead. Who was that? Oh, Chris Cooper. And mm. and he did long career before that, long career after October Sky, a great film with him. But that was the first time I remember like I I, I want to dig deeper to who's doing this and and mm. what's going on. And that's I'll never forget that moment, that performance. And I you know like like you both uh, in, in our in our favorite shows and world, you know I think the the Song of Ice and Fire world and the uh, TV show that sprung out of that has a long list of actors that I would you know, mm. Kieran, Kieran Hines as Mance Raider. He he has ten minutes total in the show. <laughs> And he's, I could watch him and those 10 minutes over and over and over again. Um, but there's so many names, but it starts along that journey. I look back at the journey from Henry, Henry Thomas to Harrison Ford, to Clooney, to Cooper, to all these performers, Madeline Stowe. I, I beg you all to watch uh, her and Last Mohegans. It's just a, a wonderful performance. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, a. Uh, uh, I think I and, and and I admire the craft. And and if I may, one one story that I know I've told before, but I, I sorry, Joseph, it's a little trauma based. Um, no, that's fine. I, what, I'm not the trauma police. Uh, I, let's let's go all in. What actors uh. truly do? You know, I watch Grace, and by the way, Heather Grace Hancock. There's my favorite actor right now. Yay. I, I watch her study, and I know you go through this, Jen. Too, you know, you get these sides. And you have to go shoot a short film in your home studio that the demand you have now. This is also part of the reason performers are on strikes. This, this self-tape thing has gone crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, from a, hey, this is a good idea to get us through the pandemic to you must have a DSLR camera and you must have the lighting. You must have the sound. I've watched <sighs> her. I watch her on the couch, break it down and you make her notes in her margins. And what are the choices and all those kind of things? And, and the first time I experienced that um it was 2002, my final, uh, one of my final Groundlings performances. And a lot of people know I was, I was in the class with Mikey Day and, and uh, Kristen Wigg and uh, mm. Tim a lot of these people, uh, Nicole Randall Johnson. A lot of people went on do good things. And Nassim Pedrad, I knew, and Taryn Kill and all those people. I, I, I'd written a sketch and we were on stage in the show, live performance. I have it on tape. Um, I, I did not write a joke. There was a, a, jo a line that was not a joke. It was a moment. 
And I watched on this couch, I watched Kristen Wiig turn it into the biggest laugh of the sketch by the, 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 the reality, the, the, the connection of the character, the choice she played, the energy, the, 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 you know, the syllables she hit in this one three sentence line. Hmm. And on stage, you see me in my head go, well, I'm not an actor. <laughs> like, <laughs> not what I can do. Uh, and I, oh, and I, I admire that in, in those that, that, that pursue this crap. Hmm. Wow. Uh, well, Ken, uh, to me, to me, I think I think there are actors who who study, and I think a lot of actors should. You you shouldn't go through and make a choice and say, okay, what what's the heart of this, or what do I think is the heart of this, and how how I'm going to attack it. But for like comedy stuff, I always felt when when I was working with, with people as a comedy director, it was like, just just be honest. What's funny about it to you? Mm-hmm. Like, it, don't just fly through it, or don't just think about your character but like why is it funny and to me those those choices flow out naturally that mm. if you think about why it's funny then it just becomes uh intuitive to say well i i gotta pause here i gotta lean on this syllable because mm-hmm. that's what makes it clear to the audience why it's funny mm-hmm. do you feel that i mean you you are a stand-up but you, you're also just you're a funny person and and uh, I've seen videos of you know in the Schmoes days of uh, long extended improv scenes of you playing a character, uh, and you you do you instinctively know how to make those choices. Do you think yeah. that there's some 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 barrier that by giving it the label acting and that it should be studied and prepared that is blocking you from your natural instincts? Because you naturally know if I pause here, it will be funny and the meaning will become clear. Yeah, you're getting to be at a good time because I just literally had the best stand-up set of my career this past week in San Diego. Had the best. Uh, uh, even uh, long-time observers came up to me and said, I don't mean to be offensive, but that was the best I've ever seen. No, that was the best. Um, it is extinctual. Uh, uh, extinctual? Did I just say I'm extinct- extinctable? No. Uh, extinguishable. Yeah. Um Yeah, you can't teach that kind of stuff. I think you can learn to get better at it. In terms of the acting, um, one of... It's just a thing. It's just a thing. I always, I always say I'm a little bit too tied to the dock, meaning I hold myself back in a lot of areas in life. And I think acting is one of them. You, you just, you know, you and I discussed this on your short film, not no spoiler thing, but like I get a little in my head of, I got to hit a mark. I got to do this. I got to do that. And by that point, I'm so worried about that. I forget the other the actual performance part of it. And I get stuck on my head over in that. So I think it, it whether it's a, a accepting the label might be it, um, uh, being afraid of the label, um, also being afraid to um, maybe put in the work. It could be some of that. <laughs> <laughs> lots of layers, lots mm-hmm. of layers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Since we're wandering into this topic, I'm I'm curious for you, Jennifer. How much do you how much do you prepare versus how much do you follow your instincts? I mean, if yeah, if I'm if I'm auditioning for a show or whatever, there is a lot of prep. Even for a commercial, there's a lot of preparation in terms of like at least I want to know why am I doing what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> for a commercial, what's my moment before when I come in the scene? Right. Mm-hmm. It can even start with what's called your slate. So if I'm supposed to be a tired mom, 
I don't want my slate to be like, hi, I'm Jennifer. No, let's show them the energy already, like kind of that I'm going in with, which guess what? I'm a tired mom. So that's easy for me to channel. (laughs) Right. But like, yeah, everything's a little bit different. I have noticed like even my own sketches, if I don't have a clear plan of the beats, what my, what my character's motivation is, it, I have to reshoot it. And sometimes I'll have to like reshoot the thing three times where I'm like, oh, that's why this is funny. Right. Mm. Like you have to get to the truth of it. And comedy is the most difficult thing. Uh, people, you know, the, the TikTokers and whatever, they think that no, no, no. Comedy, true comedy. There's a reason why Kristen Wig is Kristen Wig. Ken, you're freaking hilarious. You are you are a, a performer and entertainer. That is just that's just you. Right. And like that's something that you can't really teach to people as much as we want to we can try and learn but man you can't teach trauma the, a- the to the ai right is that what <laughs> that's right yeah, 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 yeah. no i appreciate that yeah mm-hmm. yeah all right guys you can hear oh. my my child in the hey. background speaking of that, no the, you're you're an honest mom an honest mom <laughs> fine uh, mom the podcast honest is center. Long. yeah <laughs> i want to listen to salty um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with everything uh, you're both saying about, uh, I think it's, I always need to prepare and know like what is the character's perspective and all those things, but it's almost like uh, finding then, once you know that truth, sometimes with a specific line, I'll be like, I'm going to deliver it exactly this way, because that's the truth. But sometimes once I know the truth and I'm in it, that's my favorite acting moments f- for me when I'm, uh, mm-hmm. I know the character's truth and a line reading comes out like I I never could have planned that ahead of time. I had to be in the moment and in the truth. And then you utterly surprise yourself with a line reading just because you're in the character. Like those are my favorite mm-hmm. acting moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're just, they just, they're flowing. They're, they're, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's uh, connecting with nature, not, not the rigid side. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. So, uh, Ken, what was a favorite role or two you've had as an actor? Um, we, we could easily do a full ranked episode and we might have to later in the strike. So we'll keep it to two, <laughs> two favorite roles. Uh, uh, that's a great question. Uh, um, you know, um, I, I recently got to do some horror with you that I'm excited for people to see. <laughs> I think I put my all into that uh, the moment in there. Um, yes, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's, 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 Characters and everything, you know, I, 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 I have far and few between uh, roles. A, a lot of them um, are the same kind of uh, character. So a, a quiet, nerdy uh, person that uh, is just trying to survive without getting noticed, it's been a, 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 but wants to win. It's been a character I've played a lot <laughs> that have won. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm thinking on the fly. Uh, I, I don't want to list a bunch of characters that didn't work in sketch. Um, at all for you there. I, I'll tell you one thing I did have a lot of fun on doing recently. Um, it, it was co- combining all the things. I know I, I for during the height of pa- pandemic for two years, I, I switched my podcast to a, a scripted, occasionally improv radio show um, that was basically me doing all these characters. And it wasn't done because I'm some wonderful rich little who can do all these character voices and make them super distinct. It was all facets of my personality and able to, but and and it was me looking at issues spring up around the world through those different things. So I was arguing with myself. I was figuring out my stances on it or figuring out why, why I didn't like this, but why one person might say, nah. And you know, uh, the, the, the main host, Ken Napsok was an 
ego-driven maniac, but I had a producer character <laughs> that was the inside quiet voice telling you that's wrong. And I had a lot of fun exploring that. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to trying that again. It just took a lot out of me uh, creatively and time-wise. Um, uh, and unfortunately for, for a little return, which is sometimes the reality of, of what we all do here. So that was one example. I don't know if that's an exciting, exciting, sexy answer, but uh, that's where I go. No, no, I, I think that's a great example of acting because you're pulling from your own truth and in, in, in finding the different fragments of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I, I, some of the things I've done that my favorite things I've done is, is playing multiple characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of my examples is, is uh, got a connection to, to your acting past, Ken, um, in it's a uh, miracle on 34th street. Wow. Uh, look at that. The original written by your teacher. Um, <laughs> it might've been, I don't know. Um, for like, I don't know, like six, seven, eight years. Um, I did children's theater, uh, in new Richmond, Wisconsin. Uh, mm. and, uh, and I did lots of different roles. I've done a stand up thing about, I did Johnny Appleseed for years and I played Johnny's non historically accurate, silly friend, Bill who mostly fell down. That was a lot of fun. But, um, miracle on 34th street, uh, the, the director and the writer and the owner of the theater compressed a miracle on 34th street. So, you know, could obviously have kids and only have like three adult actors. Um, so my role was all of the bad people in Miracle on 34th Street. Yes. So it's just like, you know, I, I can't even remember what like, I was the, you know, the the cranky guy at the department store and a mean lawyer and a bad boyfriend. I can't even remember all the roles she managed to compress. But it was just like one stressed out, controlling, weaselly dude. Um, and with her permission, I, I basically did it as Palpatine. Uh, <laughs> and it was it, I, it, every, everybody in that cast was great it was fun the character had the the nail fixation which is always it's always fun to have like a really visceral thing uh to play of you know the chewing and all that so uh and, and it worked to just be uh so over the top and mm-hmm. that was that was a ton of fun Love that. Mm. being all the bad people um i have one other role i want to share but jen i want to hear your favorite roles uh, I'll just say one, you know, I'm not a Kristen Wiig and <laughs> one of the challenges for me is to, to be able to be consistent. So, you know, you can be great in class, but at the end of the day, if I can't knock it out of the park with, with my auditions or my callbacks or my tests, then, you know, that's, that's not going to work out. And so, um, my triumph was when I, I got a pilot for Fox mm. many years ago and I remember the table read, you know, Larry Joe Campbell, great comedic actor was there. Um, all the, you know, network people were there and, you know, you have to nail, it was comedy. And so I had to nail my moments. And amazingly I did. They ended up replacing one of the actors. So I knew I was like, oh my gosh, oh God, they can replace me at any moment. <laughs> and then going to set, you have the literally the executives in suits watching you. You have your camera crew, you have your marks. And it, I, I was, it was terrifying, but mm. I, I, I did it and I felt good about it. And I felt like for the first time, I'm like, I'm a real actor. This is amazing. And then the pilot <laughs> didn't get picked up. Uh, so <laughs> there it is. But I, I, for me, it was like, oh, I can be, I can believe in these moments under these incredibly stressful circumstances. And that to me where I was like, wow, okay, I've, I've pushed through a lot because there was a time where I was terrified performing for anybody, really, um, it would take a lot. So that was a moment of triumph for me. Mm. That's huge, yeah. particularly kind of full circle going back to you moving into acting because there's a little bit more freedom than the precision demanded of you with piano. 
that this was a that's a situation that needs a lot of precision, right? Everybody's looking at you. You have to hit your your mark. You have to do this. You have to do that. And then to find that sort of flowing organic truth within all that precision, that's a triumph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the camera's going to hit you at this point, so you have to kind of say your line around this time. But it has to be real and organic. It's like, oh wow, it's really hard. <laughs> that's the challenge. That's right. the challenge. Right. Yeah. Um, I, one of my other uh, favorite roles is because I think it just made such a big difference in my life. Um, in the the Twin Cities of Minneapolis, St. Paul, there's a, a comedy uh, theater and institution um, that got started. Uh, I think in the late 58, um, kind of in the era, era of beatnik and coffee house. And we're, mm. we're question, we're pushing back on, you know, uh, all the normalizing of this, these are American values period. And if you question them and all that, um, it, and it was started, uh, is the brave new workshop. It's still called brave new workshop, but at the time it was Dudley Riggs, brave new workshop. Uh, and Dudley Riggs, uh, was this guy from, uh, another time he grew up in the circus, literally not as a joke. He actually grew up in the circus uh, and he started this institution and the, they raved new workshop eventually uh, was uh, was sold in the 90s. And it, it, it's they still honored Dudley Riggs as the founder, but he was this institution in uh, in the Twin Cities and in the general improv community because they did a lot of improv as well as sketch and were in kind of the first wave of of improv in in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a, a, a history theater that I did various shows at in the Twin Cities and they were partnering with Brave New Workshop to do a show about Dudley Riggs' life. And uh, I didn't audition because it uh, required singing and as mm-hmm. try as I might, I, I can't hit notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't audition, but then the uh, the director of the theater called me up and was like, we, we, what we, we'll figure out the singing. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, we, we need somebody who, who, can act and, and is good at comedy and at close enough physical likeness, you know, please come in. So anyway, lo- long story short, I ended up playing Dudley Riggs, which was this really amazing thing because he's a real human being who is going to be there on opening night and his children had weighed in on the on the script. Um, and, and he was this sort of local institution. Um, so it was a real honor. Um, but the, the really interesting thing about it was so much of my comedy, and Ken, I know you can relate to this. I think it's why a lot of us liked Ben Stiller because he's he was... He is, but in his prime, he was such a Gen X comedian of like, yeah. that's the goal <laughs> yeah. uh, to be able to yell at people and things. And the fact <laughs> that he always played angry characters, I think a lot of us mm-hmm. like, that's comedy. Mm-hmm. Getting right. to be real angry and hit things with forks. Comedy. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and a lot of snark that we've discussed that I think a lot of understandable reasons why our generation, everything was snarky and ironic and subverted. And and Dudley Riggs was from another time where where. He was a, he was a rebel and a punk and saying dangerous things for his time, mm. but in this more vaudevillian, wry, undercutting, winking at the audience way, not you know uh, dropping an f bomb, <laughs> mm. you know, and, and yelling at things. So a lot of what was on the page for Dudley Riggs made a ton of sense to me, but a lot of it was almost like tonally just like brighter and subtler and almost had more sincerity to it and it was a real challenge to play him and i realized this was 2010 and it was a big changing point in my life mm. where i think i had to come to terms with the fact of how much i just thought all comedy was kind of a nasty undercutting mm. and mm. and had the positive uh you know this positive comedy circle of you say something nasty and undercutting but it causes catharsis and joy and laughter so the mm. nastiness was worth it for the joy that it, it creates and in 
we can do Comedy Center. Um, <laughs> yeah, in the, this was with Dudley. He, it, a lot of the things he was saying were wry undercutting, mm. but it was in this much brighter tone. And like, I had to work on my like physicality to just be like, literally be like, like, I have to feel two inches taller to play this guy. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's who he was. And like, honestly, part of the reason I'm going on about it is like a, a lot of what force the way I approach force center and the way I think we all do is like, I don't know if I could have got to where I am mm. uh, without playing this man. So mm. that it was a, it was a really fun challenge and it was a real honor and it made a big difference in my life. That's great. No, I love wow. finding the power of comedy, finding where it comes from. Yeah. It, yeah. It, mm-hmm. As much as it might just be burned in your soul. Yeah. To, to learn how to use it, uh, the, the tool that it can be. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so that, that was a it was a big deal, and thank you everyone for uh, giving me an opportunity to share about it. Got one more question uh, here on our acting episode of Other Center. Uh, so now that we're all fully fledged adults, um, what do we think makes an actor or a performance amazing? Uh, I think we've all said honesty a few times here, but Jennifer, yeah. for you, what makes an actor or performance amazing to you right now? There's two things: specificity of a character's point of view. And can the actor show me what the character is thinking without any dialogue? So mm-hmm. I'll give you two quick examples. Like Philip Seymour Hoffman, credible actor, uh, because he was so specific. If you look at the difference in his characters of Freddie Miles and the talented Mr. Ripley versus his character of Scotty and Boogie Nights, two totally different characters with very specific points of views on the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, an- another example of like thinking, being able to see what they're thinking, Ewan McGregor and Kenobi. Mm. Sorry, I'm mentioning shows. Ewan McGregor and Kenobi, where Reva is explaining her history. You see, and I don't know how many times they did that take, right? Because they could have done it like five, 10 times because the camera was messed up or whatever, right? So each time he's processing in real time the information that Reva is giving to him. And we see him processing that on his face. And the camera is like, you know, so close. And if he does not, is not as an actor actually thinking those thoughts, the camera will pick that up. Any sort of doubt that you have, the camera will see it. There is no faking that. And that is why I I watched that scene so many times because I was like, how is he doing that? That is so freaking hard uh, to do what he did. So yeah, there's lots of capable actors who are believable, tons of them. But if, but in, true actor a great actor is somebody who can be specific and show me what they're thinking mm. yeah that's great so we should have ended with you jennifer I'm sorry. <laughs> i don't have i failed as a i failed as the moderator of this discussion we should have ended with you i don't have a better answer to that i, I yeah truth honesty all those kind of things i, I love watching um and again this is something having uh, you know been with grace now six seven years and just watching a lot of it through her eyes and uh, what she loves and what she doesn't like, you know, a lot of it is, you know, w- what's the second choice? Why are you playing that? Uh, don't go to your first choice as a performer, even if it's sometimes mm-hmm. good. Um, there's some moments um, um, that she's um, enjoys uh, that, but she also goes, you know, you know, they, they can go, they could have gone somewhere else. Uh, uh, and I, I like kind of studying that even if I don't fully understand it, but a lot of it comes back to what you're saying, Jen, of, of what, what, what story is the face telling uh, which is tough for me. They're talking about being a performer, going back to my own experiences, like I have a pretty stoic face. It's hard to, I can't read my own face sometimes. So, <laughs> you're right. When it's up there, that's, that's the true acting. Watching so hard. It. Mm-hmm. So hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, 
I think honesty is the truth, but there are all these different facets of it. And I love what you're concentrating mm-hmm. on, Jennifer, of honesty, of uh, of making the internal external in a true way of what, mm-hmm. what actually does pass across our faces, you know, because, boy, if you if you uh, if you go too big, <laughs> yeah. right. you start <gasps> popping your eyes and all that, you know, it's it's <sighs> easy to, mm-hmm. to, to go too big with that. For me, I think about honesty probably because I like a lot of um, space fantasy, a lot of weird things, a lot of um, mm-hmm. even even heightened realism. Mm-hmm. And mm. and I think th- this is my trauma from actors that I've encountered who just unless it is, uh, you know, absolutely real, real, real. Uh, if it unless it's a, a Shakespeare, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, or a 20th century playwright who wrote honest, painful things. Um, unless it's death of a salesman, they struggle to make it real. And I just love uh, actors who can who play the emotion, no matter what the situation is. If it's the most heightened comedy or the most absurd space fantasy that really crafts something beautiful by just showing us the emotion. And then it doesn't matter how many sort of like weird made up garbage words are, what weird thing you're wearing on your head, as Mm -hmm. long as the actor truly, truly shows us the emotional truth. Uh, That's huge for me. I think the other thing that I think for myself makes a a, a performance amazing is uh, flawed, weird human takes. Mm. Um, Things that, you know, absolutely make sense to the character or are the, extension um of a character but it's so easy for us to we we watch so much and we're inundated with so much and as an actor i think it can be easy to recognize like oh i'm on this beat so i need to sell it this way like Mm. you know sort of action hero lines you know really can fall into that or even like a breakup line or you know whatever like you're inundated with specific rhythms of the way specific beats and stories should be told Mm. And anytime an actor can break that and and just have sort of like, yep, we all know that in this beat we need to see sadness. But what is sadness to this character? How do they express it? What weird head <laughs> movement or uh, trailing off of, of their words conveys it? That's the stuff that's always just like beautiful to me because it's entirely surprising, but also entirely true. Seemed, mm. Yeah, seemed real and in that moment and organic. As if mm-hmm. performance was not a performance at all. <laughs> yeah, real and flowing and organic. Uh, any final thoughts from either of you about acting? I mean, I'll, I'll go first. So, Jen, you can end because you've got some great answers. <laughs> it, it's fun. It's 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 uh, it's uh, it's uh, fun to revisit and 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 see my relationship with something that is uh, perhaps the most um, I don't want to say important part of the whole process, but it's the part that you interact with the most uh, in terms of watching films and shows theater and everything right the actors are the ones uh, in your face right there the saying the words uh following the direction but it's the ones uh, that, that we we fall in love with that we follow that become celebrities become our royalty uh and it's uh, fun to go behind uh, all the uh, all the interests uh, you know all, all the things that make you interested in them yeah agreed a- any final thoughts jen I love actors and even the ones where I'm like watching them going, wait, what are you doing? What are you doing? I know what they went through to get 
the job and all the auditions and all the sacrifices that they've made. And it is not an easy profession. And so even when I have notes, certainly with myself, I'm like, well, okay, I'm still in this fight and at least I'm giving it a shot because I can't imagine if I, if I had never tried, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I just have so much respect and, and love for my fellow actors. No, that is great. Uh, This has been so wonderful and so much fun. Uh, Acting has been a big part of my life, but in in different ways and not as much lately. So it's been really, really fun to just dig into it and talk about it and hear your different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, anybody out there who's interested in acting, uh, you know, uh, learn from our various foibles. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Be proud of yourself. Be weird. Be organic. And don't turn away from salty. That's our message today, I think. Love that. Love that. You can be salty. Salty uh, in the singing songbook. <laughs> uh, and uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for continuing to listen, for understanding. Uh, I, I'm sure that there are some people who will who will tap out because they 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 like us, but they're here for Star Wars, and and I uh, I understand and respect that. I think Ken and Jennifer, you feel the same way. Uh, but this is uh, just a journey we feel we need to go on, and why not embrace it? Uh, with a lack of fear, which I think is something that that thing we normally talk about uh, has a lot to say about. Uh, any any final thoughts on that, Ken? Uh, no, uh, we're here and this is where we are. And uh, the future is always wide open. We'll see where it goes. But I'm happy to be on this one with both you here in this new adventure. All right. Why don't you let us uh, let people know where they can find us? Yeah, hey, we're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Excuse me. We're on X at Force Center Pod. I don't know. <sighs> I don't. No. Uh, it's still PayPal, so hey, x.com. Oh. We're there. Uh, then uh, we're also on threads. We are on threads. Uh, so we'll make a post and you can find it four days later. Uh, we're there as well. We're on Hive. Uh, we'll, we'll be wherever we need to be, friends. We're also on Facebook, Force Center Podcast, Instagram, YouTube as well. Subscribe there. Podcasts available on ACAST, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Search uh, and you'll find us merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, get into our Discord where we are still talking about the things we love, the space sagas, the man with the, the whip in the hat and all those things. Uh, and also supporting each other in a wonderful community. And you can find me at Ken Napsock at KenNapsock.com as well. Jennifer, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media platforms at Jennifer Landa, no, Blue Sky, X, wherever. Um, and I'm going to be doing some non-branded comedic videos or videos, I think, uh, in the future. And I also have a video from uh, last week's strike. If you want to check that out and get a little feel of what the energy is like, and feel free to join us. I'll be back on the picket lines probably at Disney later this week. Love it. Love it. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social medias. <laughs> you will never find me banking on X. I'm not uh-huh. banking <laughs> on that site. <laughs> I mean that in every every word, mm-hmm. every interpretation of the word banking. I'm not banking on X. So you can't find me there. Otherwise, you can find me as at Joseph Scrimshaw on uh, almost all the other social media. Uh, I'm going to be in Portland, Oregon in early August. Uh, there is going to be a screening of the short film I did starring uh, Phil Lamar uh, with some camera work by Ken. Yay. Ken's been helping me a lot. Uh, so if you want to check that out, I've been posting about it on my social media or you can go uh, look up the uh, the film festival, the uh, Portland Festival of Cinema, Animation and Technology. That's it for me, Ken. That's it for us. That's it. That's it. So for uh, Joseph, Jennifer, all the actors we love, this has been Four Centers, Other Center. We'll see you next time.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.